This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. How can AE firms raise their value and increase their profits and not have to try to be the cheapest proposal for every project? I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, we will take a deep dive into the world of business management and leadership for AE firms with June Jewell. June is a CPA. She's also the CEO of AEC Business Solutions. She has written the best-selling book, Find the Lost Dollars, and has a new book out, Raise Your Value, which outlines a five-step process to uncover hidden value and design a winning competitive advantage and increase your firm's fees. And she's going to walk us through that today. Before we go on here, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world-class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work-life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, let me welcome our guest onto the show for today. June Jewell has been on the show before. She is the CEO of AEC Business Solutions. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Find the Lost Dollars, and her latest book, which we're going to talk about today, Raise Your Value. June, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm excited to do this with you. You were on a long time ago, but you've got some new and interesting stuff that we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved in business management consulting for AE firms. I'm a CPA and I started off in public accounting, but I really knew I didn't want to do, you know, traditional accounting like audit and taxes. So I went into software consulting. And one of the first products that I really got into working with in the software world was called Win2 Software. And it's, it was a accounting project, accounting software for A&E firms. So that was back in 1989. So I've Started back then implementing engineering and architecture firms on Win2. And in 2005, Dell Tech bought the Win2 company and I was a partner for Win2. I was what they called a business partner reseller. So I became a reseller for Dell Tech, inherited about a thousand Dell Tech clients from Dell Tech. Been doing this a really long time and learned a lot from helping companies get up and running on their software. I know last time you were on, we talked about your book, Find the Lost Dollars, and your program associated with that. However, now 
You have this new book out, Raise Your Value, in which you discuss kind of the commoditization of A&E services. Talk a little bit about commoditization, what it is, and kind of why it's happening in our industry. Well, commoditization is when a client doesn't value what you do or able to differentiate your firm from other firms that do what you do. So because they can't differentiate your value to them, price becomes the major differentiator for them. So they just try to get the lowest price. And a lot of firms have fallen into the trap of letting this happen to them because they're not able to differentiate from other firms. There's a lot of reasons for it. One reason, I believe, goes back to the recession that we had in 2008 to 2010, where work was hard to find. And so a lot of firms were just trying to survive. So they lowered their prices and lowered their prices and became price a way that they got selected. And when you let price be the reason you're selected, you're failing to have the value conversation with the client about what they're really getting from being able to work with you. Nobody really wants to be the lowest price in their marketplace, but that's what's happened for a lot of firms over the years. From doing a lot of project management training here, I think what happens at that point is someone is just looking for the cheapest alternative and they view you as that. And that's just not a good thing in terms of reputation and stuff because it, it can create a lot of bad habits. It can make you cut your price and then you know, you're going to go over budget on your projects, right? Because then you've got other problems just because you want it to be the cheapest to get the job and so on and so forth. So it does lead to a lot of other financial issues. Now, one of the strategies that you suggest in the book is strategic client selection. So talk about why this is important and how firms can go about selecting the right clients. I really think that's one of the number one things that differentiates a high-performing, highly profitable firm from a firm that's just scraping by is the quality of their clients and how much their clients value them. Unfortunately, many firms don't have a strategic approach to getting clients. They just kind of go after every project that comes out and don't really have a strategy in place. And so in the book, I outline a whole lot of different ways of approaching how you should select clients. And it really is a big change for a lot of firms to adopt that kind of way of, of going after business. Yeah, I like that a lot because you'll hear a lot of firms talking about like doing strategic planning and doing things of that nature, but not necessarily specifically around business development or pursuit or the clients that they're going after. And again, I think it kind of goes a little bit back to the commoditization because they're just kind of scrambling and trying to get clients. So they're not really thinking about the quality of those clients, the type of work they're going to do, the long-term relationship of that client, right? If you select the right types of clients. And so I do think that that's a really important thing to consider having some kind of go or no go or some kind of philosophy or process around the type of clients that you want to work with and kind of stick into that. You know, and I think it's easy to kind of go away from that when things might get a little tight, but you just have to understand the consequences of doing that if you're going to stray from your philosophy. When I'm working with a client and I say to them, who's your best client? They always mention the client that gives them the most work. But when we dig in and really look at the numbers, I'm a numbers person. I look at the details. Very often, who they think is their very best client is their least profitable client and is taking the longest to pay them. That's interesting. It is. So really understanding who your best client really is, is important. 
the idea of looking at from time to time periodically looking at the lifetime you know revenue or profitability of your all of your clients is a really helpful exercise you know i'm a big believer in the 80 20 rule and you know 20% of your clients are going to drive 80% of your revenue on a regular basis so knowing who they are and catering to those clients is a good strategy but a lot of times what happens like you suggest is you get caught up just with the busy clients that are giving you a lot of stuff but they might be nickel and diming you or it might be very small contract sizes so that's a really good approach and just thinking through when you look at your clients and you're evaluating your clients, there has to be some kind of valuation on the financial success of those clients, which as engineers, sometimes it just goes out the window. Yeah. They're not focused on the money at all. You also talk about the importance of uncovering hidden value in your firm, which I love. I think it's a great, great approach. Can you share some tips for our listeners on how they can uncover that hidden value within their firms? First of all, it starts with understanding why your client hires you or selects your firm. And so one way to find your hidden value is to ask your clients, why do you want to work with us? How are we different than other firms you've worked with? The hidden value, it's always there right in front of you, but most firms are just not focusing on it. The most engineering firms, for example, go into a proposal talking about the services they're providing and not the results that they're delivering. And a client doesn't hire you for engineering services. They hire you for the final product that you are designing that is going to end up getting them the end result that they want. It might be a building that they want to put into operation that's going to generate revenue for them. So hiring you is going to help them achieve their business goals, whatever those goals are. Most engineers aren't connecting the dots between why their client is really hiring them and how they are actually helping their clients achieve those goals. Also, there are ways that you are saving your clients tons of money every day, but you're not talking about it. So maybe you have great ideas that are going to help them save money in the construction process. Maybe you're an MEP firm and you're helping clients save energy costs or the long-term maintenance cost of their building because of the recommendations you are making. You really need to think about what you're doing, not in terms of the service you're providing, but the result you're delivering, and then try to figure out what that is. I mean, you have to talk about the benefits you're driving for your clients, not just the services you're providing. And one example I could give of this to relate it back to EMI is we do custom leadership and project management programs for our clients. And what I always tell our clients is we're not just giving you the training, but with this program, you're going to be able to better attract talent and retain talent. So basically you're attracting, you're developing, you're retaining people. And when I pitch it to them like that, which is the truth, they're like, wow, this is awesome because we're not just building for the short term, we're building for the long term by kind of building an engine to find more top talent. So you really need to talk about how your services are going to bring value or drive benefits for your clients, but not just today, but if you could also incorporate the long-term, right? That's going to be, it just shows them that the investment in you is going to pay dividends short-term and long-term and that that's really the best investment you can make. So that's really important. So in your new book, you outline a five-step raise your value formula. Can you kind of walk us through the steps and explain how they can help firms kind of increase their value and their fees? The word RAISE is becomes an acronym for a program and a process that I've put together to help companies raise their value. So R stands for rate your clients. 
That starts with understanding what an ideal client looks like. So we develop ideal client criteria, and then we apply that criteria to all of our existing clients to see how they score. So we score our clients. Does it make any sense to treat all clients the same? I don't think so. You have great clients and you have terrible clients and really you shouldn't have terrible clients, but many firms still do have some clients that they're marginal, but they treat them all the same. So this is really impactful for them to understand. So the R stands for rate your clients. A stands for assess your business operations. So you're assessing the markets you work in, your competitive landscape, how you compare to many of your competitors. What are your competitors saying that their true value proposition is? And how do you compare to them? And what are your strengths and weaknesses? One of the things we do in the assess process is we look at the projects that we have, our portfolio, and all the projects that we've done. What types of projects do we do better at? What types of projects do we make more money? What types of projects do we enjoy working at or that we're just better at fulfilling uh, and delivering? So assess is a whole series of steps. Of course, in the book, I go into a lot of detail of what you need to assess. But just to summarize, assess means you're looking at your own company and the marketplace that you work in and try to figure out where are you right now. The I stands for investigate. So investigate is where you are investigating your firm's true value proposition and you are going to develop what I call the winning advantage. The winning advantage is two tools that I've developed to help you differentiate yourself from other firms. One is called the unique value proposition. I didn't really design that. It's something that's existed for years, but I've kind of defined what it means for an A&E firm. And the second tool is called the proprietary process. And just like the word raise, it's an acronym that you use to simply express the benefits that you're bringing to your clients. So you can develop a competitive advantage. It's something that makes you memorable. So that's in the investigate stage is where we are developing what is our unique value to our clients and we're really figuring out how to present that. The S stands for strategize, developing a strategic plan based around value, not just based around where do we want to be in five years, but how do we get there in five years based on getting better clients, higher paying clients, and clients that we really love working with. So the S stands for strategy, strategize. And then the E stands for execute. And that is where we look at our strategic plan, we develop an action plan. What do we need to do to go after and get much better clients than we currently have? And what else do we need to do to differentiate ourselves in the market and teach our employees, all our seller doers, how to talk about value and not just talk about technical stuff? So that's the RAISE formula. It's kind of easy to remember. We got that acronym, so let me see if I can go through and remember it. So the R stands for rate, like rating your own clients, right? It is currently, see how you're doing with that. The A is for kind of assessing your own business operations. The I is for investigating really your value and the value that that you can offer. Then S, you're going to strategize around everything that you found and figure out a good way forward. And then E is to go ahead and execute on that plan. Yes, you already got it. Easy, but probably important and not something that a lot of people do. Yeah. It does take time. I do this with clients over a 12-week 
period where we do a little bit every week and work our way through it. And it's mind blowing to them though. It's just teaching them things they never even thought about how to express their own value in the marketplace. Yeah. And what I love about this topic is that it's worth your time to engage in it, right? Because if you're driving more value, you're charging higher fees, it's going to pay for itself. And which kind of takes me back to what we talked a little about earlier, because I do think that commoditization is tricky for people. And so I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on how firms can avoid kind of falling into that trap of competing on price alone. There are two kinds of clients in the world that you can engage with. One that views what you do as an expense on their project. It's a necessary evil to get their project done, right? We've all worked with environmental firms that do phase ones. And they always tell me, clients don't value a phase one, right? The only reason we do it is to get to the phase two. But the client views what you do and your firm, actually, and your services as an expense. The second type of client views what you do as an investment in their project. You are there to help them achieve a goal that is going to make the, help them achieve their business goals and get there faster, better, correctly, accurately, uh, to avoid the pitfalls, the problems, and all the risks that they're going to have in their project. So first of all, in order to stop competing on price, you have to realize you're going to work with clients that don't value what you do, then you are going to compete on price. And even government clients that want to compete on price, you can talk them out of it if they have the right mindset. Because you can show them and demonstrate to them how you are actually going to save them money in the long run. But you have to know how to talk about that. And so it's really about creating that strategy and saying, we're not going to do what we used to do. We're going to do this differently. We are going to get better clients. We're not going to be the cheapest firm in town. And we are going to learn to talk about the real value that we're bringing in the world. It's a decision. It comes down a lot to positioning, I think, right? Like positioning yourself as valuable and how you drive that value. And again, going back to your acronym, I think that could be a great way and a structured way, which is helpful for engineers. We like structure. So having that acronym to follow could be really beneficial. So you have your new book, you have your other program that you've run for years, Find the Lost Dollars. You're going to all the conferences in the industry. You're very plugged in. What are some of the trends that you see shaping the future of the A&E industry and how can firms kind of adapt to kind of stay ahead of those trends or ahead of the curve? I mean, I've been in the technology business for over 30 years. And so I tend to see things a little bit differently. And I like to look at what's going on in the tech world to get some examples of where A&E firms, because I always felt like A&E firms were years behind the technology industry and what they're doing with their employees and, and that kind of thing. My personal opinion is with all of the baby boomers retiring and younger people coming up in the companies, firms need to transform their technology, their business practices, and their culture to realize that things are not the way they were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There are firms still doing things the way they did 20 years ago. You've got to change. You've got to get with the times. The younger people are not going to want to work at your firm if you're still heavily paper-based, not really trusting employees to work at home at all, going out into the field and filling out paper forms. There's so much great technology out there that you can take advantage of. And the younger people embrace it. 
I embrace it personally, even at my age, and I have kids, you know, in their 20s. This is the way the future is, and you've got to embrace it. And the younger leaders in your firm can help you get there because they get it. Yeah, that's a great point. And some of the firms that we work with, they have like these innovation committees and they'll have younger professionals and experienced professionals on these committees together to kind of keep an eye on trends. And and it is important. I agree with you. I think that the firms that are going to be the most innovative from a technology standpoint going forward are going to be the winning firms. And it even just comes down to the fact that there's just a shortage of professionals in the civil engineering world, but there's not a shortage of work. And we have the new infrastructure bill that's coming and there's going to be more funding coming. So the only way to meet those demands is going to be able to leverage technology in the right ways. And we've already heard a lot of our clients talking about that, but you could talk about it all you want. You got to do it. You got to invest in it. You got to find the right technologies. You got to spend time on it. And so that's a really, really important topic for all you out there to think about. How are you going to stay on top of these tech trends because it can be a huge differentiator for you. Yeah. And, you know, the other part of that really is if you don't have enough middle level leaders coming up in your organization, because they're not, nobody can find them right now, right? Everybody's stealing them from each other. You have to develop them. And so putting the money and the effort and the time and investment into your young people to get them to the PM level faster because that's what a lot of what I do is PM training, but I do it more on the business side of things, not the technical or the leadership side, but it's more on the business side, getting them ready to be business leaders. And I know you're dealing with that as well, more on the leadership side of things, right? You've got to get these people ready because your older people are leaving and who's going to run your business? Who's going to run the industry in five or 10 years? It's crucial. Having that crop or, you know, that program kind of like whether you're starting them at interns and then growing them along the way, like I think having those development programs and career pathways in place are are more important than ever because like you said, you can't hire people anymore in that mid-range. So you do have to do more development, but it starts now for the future and you have to keep the programs going and build up those programs. And some of the firms that we've worked with, they have really good intern programs And those have turned into some really good younger professionals, which is obviously going to lead into some really good project managers. Yeah, great. You have to think ahead of the curve. That's critical. All right, June, do you have any final advice for emerging leaders in the AE industry who might be looking to increase their firm's value and profitability? What last thoughts can you maybe leave them with? You have to be thinking about your client's business. Your client very often, unless they're a government agency, and even the government agency has a budget and they have constituents that are looking at what how they're spending money. And if you're doing private work, commercial work, your client has a business and they have business goals. And being tuned into that is really, really important. And you're, it, just have, being tuned into your client's business will differentiate you because most engineers aren't. They're focused on the technical stuff. And if your client is an architect, then focus on helping them with their business. Because ultimately, this is what's going to differentiate you. From a leadership standpoint, I really believe that engineers that are working in a business need to see themselves as a business person. If you're doing engineering for the government, for example, if you work for Army Corps of Engineers, maybe you don't have to worry about that as much. But if you are working for an engineering firm, you are working for an organization that needs to make a profit 
and run a successful business. And without that, they can't hire people and they can't train people and they can't grow. And so realizing that at a young age, if you can realize that at a young age, that you are going into a business that needs to make a profit. And the more you can help that business be successful, the more valuable you are going to be as a professional in that business. So that's what a lot of younger people, they don't think that's their responsibility. Well, I'll leave that to the leadership teams to worry about the business side of things. I'm just going to do my job. But realize that even things like filling out your timesheet or asking your project manager, how many hours should this take me to do, are helping the business to be successful. So that's some pretty basic advice right there. Don't just understand your client's current problem, but understand how it's affecting their broader business, right? Because that's really going to help you to be able to have deeper conversations with them and position yourself to be of the most value like we've talked about and then ultimately get the fee that you should get and not just come in at the cheapest price because odds are 75% or more of the firms that they're talking with are not thinking about their business as a whole and their business going forward and their business goals. And if you are, that's really going to differentiate you for sure. Yeah. Once again, June Jewell, June's a CPA. She is CEO of AEC Business Solutions author of best-selling book, Find the Lost Dollars, and her latest book, Raise Your Value, which we went through today. June, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anthony. I love talking with you as always. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with June. She really has a lot of information around AE firms and AE firm development. She's been doing this for a long time, and I hope that you found our conversation useful. Now, please remember you can find the show notes for this episode and every episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the other resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And if you're interested in a custom leadership or project management development program for your firm, give us a call at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Or check us out at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of our civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.